Welcome to Oz Property Investors, where your smart, no BS friends who tell you the most interesting stuff going on in property. Join your host, Jeff Miles, former mortgage broker and property developer, alongside Joe Tucker, Director of Property Principles Buyers Agency, as they interview some of Australia's top property experts and commentators, so we can all become better property investors together. <laughs> and we that was quick and we are live at Oz Property Investors we bring the big names when we have the big fun and thank you for all the people waiting because there is a big audience that have joined in to oh, I God. feel like we should play the national no I was going to say the national anthem but no maybe not that's um but I'm excited Sorry, to talk about Canberra how are you going Hannah very well thank you guys for having me uh, it's great it's I, I I've been I've got a got a bit of an interest in Canberra, and 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 just I think it's an underloved, even though it has, because given how well it's performed as a market, um, so it's 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 great to have somebody on to talk to that. And we're sort of doing a bit of a lap of Australia. We started in Victoria last week. Now we're going up to the ACT. We did um, Sydney probably six weeks ago. So, but anyway, how are you going anyway, Joe? What's happening, mate? I'm fantastic. Um, I'm very good. I'm very good. I'm excited for tonight as well. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of these. I was actually just having a chat with Hannah about this before. Um, like it, it, there's, it's easy just to rule an entire area out and just take it completely off your plate, but then you miss out on the opportunities that are in that area. So it's easy to do that. And don't get me wrong. I do that a lot. I rule out a lot of, a lot of places, but um, you can miss good deals and good opportunities. So I'm, I'm keen. I think Canberra is one of the most overlooked. I would say the most overlooked market in Australia for property investing. Would you actually, would you agree with that, Jeff? Like in property investment, Canberra? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know about overlooked. I mean, I think Northern Territory would, would definitely take that crown. I mean, and I don't, it's just more about, uh, I suppose, the one of the one of the markets with the most, well, well not most, but some of the biggest potential um, that then just gets down, gets dismissed because it has that land tax and other sort of situations. So, yeah, I'm excited. Well, we'll unpack all of that unpack all of that stuff how are you jeff yeah, i'm really well man it's um been a been a beautiful day last day of autumn uh, into winter tomorrow winter is coming but it's going to be 23 um here in um wonderful wollongong tomorrow so how good is that um i don't know canberra might even be sort of lo- low teens maybe it's a bit colder than that but yeah is it <laughs> Oh, there you go. But no, no, I'm really well. So shall we Shall we kick it? I'm, ex- I'm excited. Well, before we get into the quote of the week, I'll give you a bit of a run, a run around. So we're going to talk about what Canberra is all about, the lay of the land, the, the industry, what drives it. And we're going to talk to what you need to know about Canberra and, and Encompass and all that. There's going to be some, some Easter eggs, some, I suppose, some locations that people can consider and even, um, yeah, just even, I suppose, opportunities in Canberra as well. So there's going to be plenty of plenty of value added in this session. So shall we get into quotes of the week, Joe? Yeah, let's do it. Hannah, what is your quote of the week? All right. Well, I'm a big quote fan, so it's hard to pick oh. just one, but I'm going to okay. run with one of my favourites, which is dream big, work hard, and stay humble. Wow. Oh, that, that really rolls off the tongue. Like, where, where, where's um, where, where, where did you um, who's that quote by? Is that original? I don't know, I don't know who to credit it to, but I like it. I like it. I think it's a good reminder. Have you got another good quote that you like? If you've got, if you've got bags of quotes, I feel like I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, the grass jo- is, is like a joke. <laughs> it's always hard. Sorry, what was that one? I said the grass is greener where you water it. 
Oh, that is good. Yeah. I think that's oh, in like, I think it's a little Wayne song, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> sounds sounds familiar. The grass isn't greener. It's it's where you where yeah, but no, that I mean I'm sure you came up with a four that was in that song. But um yeah, great. <laughs> What's yours, Jeff? So mine, I, I like to sort of theme it with with uh, I, I get a vibe for the guests and 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 where the situation we're going. But <clears throat> I was reading your bio and and I was and I thought <laughs> I thought about well what you, you seem to be you, you you focus in a lot of your interactions appears to be relationships. So I, my quote is by Lee Iacocca, who um, and may not he's a, he's a bit of a polarizing figure. Lee, um, and he passed away a couple of years ago. But he said, business, after all, is a bunch of human relationships. So I think that, to me, um, reigns very true for property management and just, I suppose, business in general, because it's like property is a game with finance throwing. It's all these kind of cliched sort of things, but I think there's some truth in it. I do agree. Spot on. Spot on. Yep, I agree. Very How much business. Young Joe. Mine is... If the challenge we face, if the challenge we face doesn't scare us, then it's probably not that important. That's mine. Ooh. Yeah. That's by Tim Ferriss. Like Tim Ferriss. Yeah, it's oh. a good point. I mean, it's 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 if you are aiming for something and it's not scaring you, then you're probably not gonna put that much energy and effort into it, or it's probably not big enough. Maybe you need to dream bigger. Um, um, yeah, it was either that. I had another quote that I was looking. The other one was um, I lost Joe's it. looking in the fly here. That's okay, Joe. Is, is that good? So, so great. Yeah, I, I like it, Joe. Just stick with the one. If you just if stick with the one. Is not one quote. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, too much of a challenge, Joe. You, you challenge yourself too much. So great. So, so we're going to talk about all about Canberra, and because I'm excited to to do that. So, shall we? We'll, we'll get into. We we'll introduce Hannah from the Profit Collective as well, because. She's going to absolutely give us the the gold golden insights about Canberra. Let's do it. The amazing thing with commercial property investing is that in most cases, it's cash flow positive from day one, which means that you can drive those profits towards paying down the debt. There are instances with commercial property investing where you can actually have the property pay itself off over 10 years, which is absolutely crazy. With commercial property, you get massive net yield, so you can expect anywhere between 6 to 10%. And as we've seen in the current boom, these properties not only provide large cash flow, they do certainly grow wildly in value too. Now, with big rewards comes some risk, and this is why you should de-risk your investment as much as possible. And the way you do that is with expert due diligence. And this is why we highly recommend people hire professionals to help you along in your investing journey. Steve Polisi of Polisi Property is one such expert. Being a chartered mechanical and structural engineer in a past life, Steve draws on his analytical and mathematical skills to do that expert due diligence for you. With six years' experience in the space, Steve has over 1,200 property transactions under his belt. He's the guy you want in your corner, crunching the numbers and finding the best properties in the best locations, along with ensuring that you avoid the mistakes. 
Steve has actually even written the book on commercial property investing in Australia. And not only is it a bestseller, I believe it to be the most comprehensive in commercial property investing on the market today. He's been generous enough to give us a massive discount for our audience of 50%. So use the code OZPROP, click the link below, get a copy today and start learning and getting on your commercial property investing journey. We are back. And um, people are saying they, they um, and this happens every week and I, I, I change the link, but if you can see this now, drop us a comment. And, and I, we, I didn't do that. If, if you're seeing this or you have a question, drop a like comment because that, that helps more people to sort of see this, the Facebook algorithm. So, but joining us is, is Hannah. I'll, I'll do an intro and then we'll actually ask you a question or two. So, but you, you maybe even three or four, but you, you are a seasoned and award-winning property manager, 13, 13 years. We could even just say, I mean, that might even be 15 years now, depending on how, um, how your, your website. But, and as well, you're an accomplished industry speaker, consultant. And I think the thing I love about you is you're, you, you really get in and, and are an advocate for the industry because you're the president of the REIA, the Real Estate Institute of the ACT, or you are, you are the, you're not were, you are. Um, and in 2020, the Telstra Businesswoman of the Year. In Was that oh, wow. all of Australia or was that? Um, no, that was, was that Canberra. Oh, Canberra. wow! That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's a really because Canberra is is still a pretty is is a very big market. You're, I think Canberra's probably about the fifth or sixth biggest city in Australia. Could be the fourth. Yeah. No, I think and the Telstra yeah, awards are very difficult as well. They are. They are. Not a, They're very not just freebie. But but the thing I love about you as well is you're not just about the business. You have. Uh, you, you love family, friends, fur baby. So you had your cat sort of uh, parading around, very curious about the thing. And you love food. And I think in Canberra, you, you're doing well in Canberra. There's some great food in Canberra. If you, if you know Canberra, you know Broadburger. Um, it's a bit of an institution. Um, so you have a personality. You have a big personality as well. You're not just somebody who manages property. So you, you're, you're an interesting person, I would say. Thanks, Jeff. Did I miss, did I miss anything? <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Okay, great. So we'll, we'll get into the first question um, without further ado is tell us about your first property purchase and how did it go? Yeah, so that was about about 15 years ago now for me um, and that was just a little one-bedroom apartment. Um, we'll talk about Canberra in detail but that was in an area called Gungarland. Um, one-bedroom, first home buyer um, and that performed really well. I lived in it for the time you had to live in it and then rented it out and uh, ended up selling it last year so nice. you know nothing fancy super modest but got my foot in the door with that one nice nice okay and um was it like an investment focus at all or were you just like hey i want to you know i want a place to live and and um at the time uh the developer was offering like a thousand dollar deposit and then like 24 months to save the rest um and i think i was like 20 or 21 at the time and so I didn't have a lot of cash so I thought that's a really good thing to do because it means then I've got to have this forced saving plan yeah. um, which worked out really well so you know knuckle down stop spending money frivolously and by the time settlement came about yeah moved, moved in obviously and that that kicked off property investment for me it's how did you um I mean I, I wanted to say, take I mean we asked people about the first property investment but how did you sort of decide that 20 or 21 or 22 I think it was 21 um, that you wanted to buy your first property? Like what is it in the, was it in the family or was it, yeah, how did you get interested in property? Um, 
I think I was working in property management, so I'd not long started in property management at the time. And I think um, being exposed to the benefit of owning property in Australia um, and, you know, starting as soon as is feasibly possible, depending on your own circumstances, you know, I would have much loved, much preferred like a three-bedroom home and had all my mates, you know, bunk in and live with me. But at the time I could only really afford the one bedroom. So I think, you know, starting is the main thing, right? Once you start, it's easier. The first one I think is always the hardest. So I wanted to do that as quickly as possible and having that deposit meant I had time to save. So it made sense. Yeah, such a good idea. Like, you know, I hear people that are always just, oh, no, I need to save this 20%. I need to, but there are ways, you know, you've got the the first home buyers grant. Um, I mean, it's all different in, in every state, of course. And and then um, you've got guarantor loans. So your parents can give you, you know, give you a bit of a hand up. Um, there's so many ways to get into it. But how did that perform over the last, well, yeah, 15 years? I mean, in terms of capital growth, did it, was it a, was it a good? Here we go, 15 years. So I bought in an area that was rapidly being built out. So, you know, main corridor expecting growth over time, but not any kind of short-term growth. So I knew buying it would have to be a relatively longer hold. Um, And that's exactly what happened. That market, that area performed quite slowly because there was so much new development in the area. Um, But in the last sort of two or three years off the back of the world changing rapidly, um, along with other markets just went completely gangbusters and, and, apartments that had held kind of stable for a long time in terms of capital growth just started to skyrocket. Mm. So it was worth holding on to. Whereas in, you know, other apartments I'd had over the last decade, I'd sold earlier and uh, didn't do so well. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. And I also think like, so I hear people all the time, they're like, Oh no, I bought this absolute dud. And you've got, you've got, it's very expensive to sell and it's very expensive to buy into property. Like it's 3% Mm. out and 5% in. So you've really, you know, you've really got to be sure that it's, you're not going to, you're going to do something better with that, that capital. Mm. So, you know, it's not always the worst thing, always the worst thing to buy. buy And a one bedroom in our Canberra market, no matter where you buy in Canberra, a one bedroom is pretty safe. You're going to get a tenant. It's probably going to perform well. Um, So it was pretty low risk as well as a first kind of, foray into property investment. Huh, and and um, just out, out, out of interest, before we go into, because I, I want to, there's so much, so many questions I have about Canberra, but um, <laughs> are they, there's starting to be less of a, less of a supply come on with, with apartments or I haven't been there in probably a year or so now. Actually, no, that's a lie. I was there three months ago, but um, I, I didn't, wasn't really, my eyes weren't really focused on property <laughs> at that stage. So are there less, are they building less apartments or are they still sort of um, knocking them out quite, quite rapidly Um, there's this really strange kind of cycle happening in our market right now where off the back of COVID as with many other markets there was massive increases in building costs there were delays in DAs and BAs going through everything kind of stopped Um, so I think from this time last year off the top of my head there's something like 40% less stock like in the market and the DA lag is like a 12-month lag so right now in the next sort of half of the year there's really not a lot of stock hitting the market from new build but in the next sort of 12 to 24 months, it'll catch back up. So there's a real, like I think right now, there's a real shortage of new development stock hitting the market, completed stock. Yeah, interesting. Well, that's a bit of arbitrage. I mean, not, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I like to sort of think, well, where, where is the opportunity? Maybe there's that potential opportunity if you'd, but then I suppose it, yeah, then you, then you, if you're trading, then what I suppose it comes back to somebody's purpose for, for buying and, and, and or selling. So, yeah, but I just like to sort of see where there's opportunity. 
But yeah, Joe, what do you? What, what do you well, want to know? I, I mean, if I'm a if I'm a you know kind of Martian and I'm landing in um, in the ACT for the first time, how would you kind of explain? The ACT, because we know Sydney's obviously the capital of Australia, um, but apparently Canberra is, is, <laughs> is a part. Yeah. It's claimed it somehow. Isn't, somehow isn't Sydney, it. Sydney's king. It's not the capital, Joe, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it was. How would, you kind of, how would you kind of explain Canberra to someone that, that has no idea? And I guess looking at it from the lens of a property, um, property investor. Look, Canberra gets a bad rap for many reasons from lots of people, but I think Canberra 10 years ago and Canberra now are unrecognisable. Um, you know, we've no. got a very multicultural, diverse society. We've had massive, um, not only urban infill, but also greenfield expansion. Um, you know, Canberra's this really cool city where we've kind of got five or six town centres um, and each of them are really kind of self-sustaining. So you're not relying on one kind of central infrastructure to drive the market you've actually got all these sub-markets that in their own right perform really strongly and they service different parts of the community. So, for example, in Belconnen, you'll get lots of people who work in Belconnen, the west, kind of northwest of Canberra, um, and they, they'll they'll stay in Belconnen. They don't need to travel to other parts of Canberra. So even though that's like a 20, 30-minute trip, people are quite hyper-local, um, which is exciting from a property investment perspective. Yeah, why is that? Because there's lots of micro markets. You're not relying mm. on one sort of main driver. You could invest in six different markets in Canberra and they'd all perform strongly. Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to should, we, should we bring out the map? Or should, oh, before mm-hmm. we go to that, though, Joe, can can I ask? Give, give Let's take a step back because I want to. I want to hear about the the economic drivers of Canberra because there's a perception that it's only public serv- public servants in Canberra and that sort of mm-hmm. ebbs and flows depending on who's in government. Yeah. But, and that- what yeah. else is going on in Canberra? Because I think there's a lot more than what people um, expect or would anticipate. Yeah, and I mean, there's definitely a few public servants. Um, <laughs> beyond that, you know, we've got all the private contractors that are part of the public service more broadly. We've got defence. Um, we've got whole different um, industries around medical. We've got the universities. Um, we've got a huge, um, you know, building and construction industry because of all the, all the construction work happening, not just for residential but also commercial property across Canberra. Um, we've got things like the light rail, which has brought heaps of jobs to Canberra. So there's any number of industries that help drive performance and a lot of those industries have quite high disposable income as well, being builders or being, you know, medical people. So, um, again, like I mentioned earlier, a very diverse society, yeah. which creates, you know, a really sustainable market, I think. Yeah, it's that long-term fundamentals, right? That's what you're kind of, that's what you're kind of looking for, right? The... Um... Mm. How, can it sustain itself over over the long term? Because it's, I feel like it. Sometimes I think it's easier to see where the short, like you look at the short term data metrics, and it's like, oh my gosh, this place is going to do absolutely bang on. But then people don't think you you got to hold that thing for the next twenty thirty years. So yeah, sure, you can you can go buy in a you know a, you know a market that's going to do well in the next six months. Yeah. But what about the long term? What is it actually going to be looking like? Because that's when you got to that's when you got to hold that sucker. Um, yeah, and I think if we look back over the last 30 or 40 years in Canberra, on average, I think we're about 8% growth year on year compounding. So that's pretty solid for an investment, you know. I mean, obviously that looks at a lot of land houses and, and land increase, um, but apartments yeah. are performing really strongly yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and um, 
Eight percent is okay. I will take that. The I mean the the Australian average is six point nine percent. So eight percent that's better than average. I'll take it. Yeah, we're pretty good. Doing all right. Um, the thing I like about Canberra, and I used to, I used to go to Canberra quite regular. I've been there a couple of times. Is the mint? How good is it? How good is the Royal Mint? Never I been. Just, I haven't oh. been for a while, but I'm sure it's fantastic. I'm sure they got yeah. dollar coins yeah. there. It's so a, okay, let's a have a look around. A running around the grounds. I want to understand this market because all I see right now is just a little map. I see a lot of grass. I see a lot of green. Um, so I'm thinking, like you know, just straight away looking initially, it looks a bit of a land supply type of market, but. Um, I am willing to be wrong because there is also looking like a lot of ranges and mountains where you can't actually build it out. Um, but yes, what are we looking at here? So how should we think about this? Because I can start to see already what you're talking about, that there's your Belconnen by itself. There's this this little, this little region, yeah. this region. And then you know, you've got Queen being there. So yeah, how should we think about this market? Well, maybe let's start down the bottom, okay. um, the Tuggeranong region. Tuggers, yeah. Gee, these yeah. Okay. So, older suburbs. Yeah, that's tugger, Tuggers. <laughs> um, <laughs> as we affectionately call it. So I know very little about Canberra, by the way. I am not. I'm not buying in Canberra. I don't. I don't know very much. Uh, so Jeff and and Hannah, you guys are the experts here. I'm just uh, driving the mouse. <laughs> uh, Hannah's definitely the expert. I, I just happen to know. Uh, yeah, caught up with a few people from Canberra back in the day, and may, may yeah, know somebody very special to me from. Okay, uh, from yeah, anyway, enough about that. Targets, <laughs> targets, targets. Look, um, older, older demographic. Lots of established homes in the region. Um, I think uh, Tuggeranong sometimes referred to as a nappy valley. So um, you know, our kind <laughs> of generation grew up there and have now moved out. So the parents are often living there, empty nesters. Um, yeah, so, so lots of opportunity there as people start to downsize and look to reduce the land that they hold, I, I think, in the next sort of decade or, or two decades um, because their kids have probably moved further north. Um, but in saying that, there's also a whole new area of redevelopment around the lake in Tuggeranong. We like lakes in Canberra um, where there's a lot of apartment stock. So brand-new apartment stock, really well-priced, performing well from a yield perspective, sort of 6% growth. Um, and that's, you know, creates a lot of opportunity for the kids who are leaving their parents but don't want to go too far. Mm. Super interesting. Okay. Ooh. So in that region in the last six months, um, my business has rented about probably 150 apartments just along that lake area, wow. um, and that's performed really strongly. So for a one-bedroom, you're going to get around 4.30 a week. In that region, and if you bought a couple of years ago, you probably paid around high threes to low fours. Okay, um, high three. So, what would the yield be on on one of these little apartments? Depending on time of purchase, I've seen any performance between four and seven percent. Okay, all here. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So this is more of your older established on larger blocks. Are these blocks being split up and subdivided? Like are people, um, you know, seeing a large house on a large block and saying, you know what, I could put a duplex like here. Oh, maybe not that one. But, yeah, this one, right? Knock it off, clear it off, two duplexes, pop them up. Um, is that happening? Our plan is quite restrictive still. So our planning measures are quite yeah. limiting in terms of um, duplex or small developmental townhouse sites. Um mm. 
particularly like the inner north and inner south region enables a lot more of that. Um, but each of our blocks have different zoning. So they're called RZ3 or RZ4, your multi-unit sites, whereas RZ1 and 2, which a lot of the sites you just looked at on the map, are far more limited to what you can do with them currently. Now, there's there's perception from some people that um, in time that will change. So there are investors who are land banking those larger blocks with the hope that in time they'll be able to redevelop, but that's not on the sort of immediate short term. Um, okay, so so is this so this is the tuggers. Um, is this a little standalone pocket by itself, or like where's the next? No, you can get that in. So um, I'm blind, but if you go um, probably like the Woden Valley, so Philip um, to the it's right. Such, of such a change quite a lot as you go go into that. Is that is that sort of does that have Farrow in, in the Woden sort of? Yeah, like the Mawson, Pierce, Chifley kind of bubble there. Yeah, it's yeah, def- definitely a bubble because you sort of, I mean, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is, is the sort of Tuggeranong had had a bit of a reputation for being, um, I'm not, I don't know, I don't want to say like the rough rougher part of Canberra, whereas you, you go and sort of the the Woden sort of that's where a lot of um, you had a lot of embassy sort of um, sort of. Uh, embassy staff saying that sort of part pocket of Canberra, my understanding. Yeah, so O'Malley in particular is like the embassy suburb, huge blocks, mansions from a Canberra standard. Um, a lot of embassies are based in those kind of regions. It's not all, it's not too far from Parliament House, which you can see up near the Big Lake. Um, yeah, your cursor's on it there. So that's kind of a really easy central point for embassies um, and embassy staff. Capitol Hill, there you go. Um, but Philip, I guess Woden as a as a region has had a real kind of um, reemergence as, as kind of a location to live. Previously, it was quite industrial; there wasn't a lot of residential. And in the last sort of ten to twelve years, that's just completely changed. Um, if you're driving through Canberra, you see a lot of cranes in that area because there's so much development and a lot of high rise development because the zoning there enables a lot of higher um, towers, which a lot of the other regions don't necessarily. Yeah. How. And how and partic- particularly, I oh, sorry. Go on, mate. Go. Here you go, Joe. I was going to say, particularly in uh, this is a very anecdotal, small sample size, but I, I found in in Mawson there was um, a, a good amount of um, a couple of sort of like bigger blocks, sort of nine hundred square meter. They were sort of chopping that into two and then putting townhouses on and then sort of selling those off for a million dollars each because they were quite high spec and it's quite mm-hmm. hard to buy into those sort of bluer chip. I mean, blue chip. I mean, there's blue chip all over Canberra, but yes, that's what I sort of experienced. Yeah, it's definitely a more affluent, expensive area. Curtin, in particular, is a is a high performing suburb on on the edge of that fringe. And then you've got like Yarralumla and Deakin, Griffith, all that inner south area. That's probably the most expensive sort of stock you can get in Canberra. And some of the blocks, particularly say in Red Hill, that region, we're talking thousands of square meter blocks. What's with the names? This is Curtin. There's Curtin University, Deakin University, and Griffith University. Did they deliberately name the universities after suburbs Canberra? in Canberra? Probably. Are they, aren't they prime ministers or politicians? Oh. I think. Oh, John go. John Curtin Joe was one of them. I don't know about um, Griffin. Griffith and and now um, before we scroll too far up, there's a little pocket to the to the left called um, Coombs and Wright. That's Malongolo yeah. Valley. Now, that's um, one of the newest regions of development 
Um, that's been greenfields and infill and just gone from land to a whole region in the last decade. Um, interestingly, oh, because wow. of... Yeah, look at that. Yeah, huge. Um, so that's that's a new government um, suburb that's been released there, Whitlam. But, you know, in terms of supply, interestingly enough, Malongo, that region performs well, particularly from a rental perspective. But in the last um, quarter or year on year, that's been the height, the biggest change in vacancy rates across all of Canberra. So that that's that region sitting nearly 5% vacancy rates as of March. Wow. And okay. that's just the amount of stock that's in that market. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so we're currently right, one thing to note, right? In all of Australia, we're in this massive rental crisis. Is that what you guys are experiencing down there in Canberra? We have been in a massive rental crisis for the best part of a decade. Um, March last year, our vacancy rate was zero point six percent. It was the lowest it had ever been from from a record perspective. But uh, in the last quarter this year, we're sitting at two percent, which is the highest it's been in about fourteen years. So there's been this real sudden um, shift in our market. And again, you know, 2% vacancy rate's not a bad vacancy rate by any means, no. but when you're talking 0.6 to 2% in a matter of months, it's a pretty significant change. So how did what that, shift? what is no much? Yeah. Pardon? What was the shift? How did it do that? Um, I think there's, there's a combination of factors that have driven that change. Um, there's still definitely a, a shortage of stock across, you know, to like apartment houses, townhouses. There's a lot of a single type of living, which is a lot of apartment stock hitting the market, but we don't have the diversity of stock. And I think what we're seeing, particularly with the cost of living and interest rates over the last six to 12 months, is that people are trying to save money. So rather than moving out and living by themselves or living with their partner, we've seen, I've, I've personally seen in our business, a lot of people, um, families regrouping, kids moving back in with parents to try to save. Um, and people who were living independently moving in with housemates because, you know, just to try to save money. Mm-hmm. We also have had incoming in to Canberra in the last quarter, and I think that's reflective, again, of, you know, off the back of COVID, um, contractors and public servants don't have to be in Canberra anymore. So a lot of people are working more remotely now. Yeah, okay. But, I mean, what's the commute? Like, even in... Right, surely that's what a twenty-minute drive to get into the city. Yeah. I know, but I mean, if they live in Sydney, though, they, they don't. Oh. Have, if they they have family in Sydney, they're not. They don't have to go. They don't have to station they themselves to in Canberra. Canberra. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that'll balance out. We know in the next twelve months we're going to have a, a large influx based on population growth from the budget. We know we're going to have huge increase coming to Canberra. So I think that will balance out, and it'll probably tighten back up. It might you- it might rise a little bit first. A huge increase in what, sorry? Uh, population growth. Population, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, do you see with the different um, parties that come in, Labor, Liberal, um, does that change the property market itself in in Canberra? It's not directly the party, not in, not in the last decade anyway. It's more about the levers that they pull. So if they stop public service jobs in Canberra, of course that has an impact um, but, you know, because we're not relying on one industry, it doesn't impact us too significantly, which I think is really important because it creates that stability. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't really – it affects the same as every other. Like it, you don't see, yeah. you know, one one party bringing in weight, a whole heap of public, uh, you know, public servants that 
flood the Canberra market and then they just go through this yeah. boom and bust. No. It's not like a it's not a mining town, Joe, if you That's want true. to. Yeah, we don't have those kind of fluctuations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's start talking about some of the more unique market insights about Canberra because it's got some pretty interesting stuff. Like uh, one of the questions that's, that's popped up is leasehold. No other state has this. So uh, wh- what is... It might be, isn't it? Well, there's I thought just, NT. Just... Could be wrong. NT? Oh, okay. Possibly. Well, yeah, because I think that's why they're a territory. Um, as, as well, Joe, they have some up in the Snowy Mountains. It's leasehold, leasehold land up there, which is, oh, actually, you know, I think it's Crown Land, something like that. So there's, there is some other parts of Australia, but you're all well, right, Joe. Tell, tell us what we're talking about here, well, because what is, what, is land lease, what is this land lease system? Yeah, like 99-year leases from the government. Um, we, from, from my understanding, the government's never gone to – a homeowner and said, we're taking your home from under you, give it back to us. Um, but obviously we're, we're not long past our centenary. So I think every lease as they come up for completion just rolls into a new one. But as a result, we get some fun bills. <laughs> fun so bill. we, have land, we have land tax as a result because yep. we're leasing. So we have additional costs to own property that isn't our primary place of residence. So that's a holding cost for investors. Sorry. Sorry. You own, you, you buy the place as your PPOR and then you have to pay land tax because you don't actually own the place because you're leasing it. So they're counting your PPOR as an investment? No, no, no. Not your permanent place of residence. You're, oh. If it's a secondary property, you have okay. to pay land tax for that for that very reason. Okay. I was thinking. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> You know, it's unreal. <laughs> okay. So, so, but why does this lease thing exist? Like, what is the purpose of, of saying you, you have a lease? Because the, the, the normal is, hey, you're buying this piece of land. This is your piece of land. Here's the title. Here's the deed. You, you own it. But what, what it is in Canberra is, hey, here's a piece of land. You can lease this from the government and we will give it to you for 99 years and you will get your 99-year lease on it. And then they renew it. So, I mean, why? Yeah. Why? What, 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 why? That's, that's how it's structured. That's how our, yeah. our legislation, that's how the city was set up. I mean, I don't see that changing ever. Um, but I think, you know, unless something significantly changes from government, they start taking homes back from people, which is not on the radar. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, I would never second guess that. I'm confident that if you buy a property, it's your property. Yeah. And in instances where um, people have sold land back to government, from what I understand, that's always been very amicable and, and you know, reasonable. It has never been we're taking the land back from you. Yeah, and also they'd have to stage it pretty well because is it a 99 lease renewal every single time a new person purchases it? Or is it oh, based? That's a good question. I think it's based on the land, but I could be wrong. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it is. It is based on the land, and uh, <clears throat> I mean uh, the way I understand it, Joe, is it's kind of it, it's it's like Australia is still a part of the com. Uh, I mean, Australia is still technically part of part of um, Great Britain or England or whatever you call it. Um, so technically, yes, there is some power that the that the king or queen now king could could wield over Australia, but um, but if 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 they were to do that then um, I, I think we'd just say, well, we're going to become a republic. Correct. Um, so, yeah, we, it's kind of... We hold the power subliminally. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay. So how does this affect property investors? Like, it, like it, it, I don't feel as secure in my investment of going there because the government owns the land. But from what you're telling me is it's just, you know, Fugazi, Fugazi, you know, politicians wanted to have a bit of fun with their politician friend down there in politician land. And they're like, you know what, we're just going to create this thing and it doesn't really affect anything. It doesn't change anything. So it doesn't well, matter. Does it matter? Until it does. Yeah, it doesn't matter until something does change. Until it does. Yeah. If it does. I mean, it never has. As, as Jeff said, I think, you know, the uproar would be massive and it would completely change everything. Yeah, I, I think I think norm, normally I um, normally I wouldn't kind of get too up in arms about these sort of things. But if they if that if something like that was to actually change, I think I would actually get outraged. I think there's, <laughs> there's because you know how there's all these land taxes like in Queensland, and there was a Victorian one a couple of weeks ago or last week. I think if this this thing would get me rolled up, and I, I would probably do a survey about it. I, w- I would I would really petition. I would. I can't it, it would see get, that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's why. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's why that's how how remote it is. But yeah, so on to another sort of quirk of, of of Canberra. I'm just thinking about is is some of the things, some of the um, some of the landlord or some of the property man- management sort of things legislation that's coming in. So you were saying that, that now people can grow um, gardens on their front lawn. So what are some of the things that that property investors have to consider when they when they're getting when they're buying Canberra? Yeah, look, we, as, as typical Canberra, we sit in our own little bubble of legislation. So we have lots of strange legislation that's quite different to other states. And in the last sort of three years, we've actually had a raft of quite significant changes across the Residential Tenancies Act. Um, so they started with things like um, you can't say no to pets in properties unreasonably, um, but you also can't take a pet bond in Canberra, whereas I understand in other states you can. Yeah, Victoria, um, in Queensland. Yeah, and I think WA maybe. Um, and then over COVID, there was obviously all the moratoriums and things impacted every state differently. But um, off the back of that, they extended notice periods for periodic tenancy. So if a landlord wants to sell or move back into their property after a fixed term tenancy, um, moving back in went from four weeks notice to eight weeks notice, for example. So creating security of tenure for tenants was the focus, especially off the back of COVID. Um, and then in April this year, we had a whole nother raft of changes. Um, oh, sorry, I should mention back when the pet change came to effect, so did um, CPI limitations to rent increases. Oh, so yeah. previously it was an open market for rent increases and you could just look at what the market was performing and up the rent. Yep. Um, but again, the government wanted to ensure tenants had security of tenure and they introduced that um, rent in Canberra can only be increased every 12 months and not in a fixed-term tenancy. Um, and now it's limited by the CPI, um, housing component of CPI, plus 10%. So even if the open market, if an, a vacant property is at 500, but your property is at, you know, 400, you can only increase by that CPI amount. So this is like, this is, uh, this is why you need a good property manager, because uh, if you, yeah, if you list your property for $400 and really it should be $500, you can only what's the percent? Sorry, what's the percentage? What ten percent or five percent each year? So the housing of CPI, sorry. which is reviewed quarterly, plus ten percent. So that might be you know twelve dollars, twenty dollars. So it, it varies depending on the latest CPI. Yeah. So if you you could go four hundred and twelve, and then or it should be five hundred and twelve. And if you don't list it at that right amount right from the get go, you've really screwed yourself out of thousands of dollars down there. 
tens of thousands of dollars. If you keep that yeah. tenant for 20, 30 years, one person's CPI could be, you know, in 12 years' time. And you can't kick the tenant out for unreasonable. I think those are the new, new rules, aren't they? You can't unreasonably kick someone out. So in yeah. 10 years' time, one person could be paying $1,200 and the other person could be paying $650 or something crazy. Yeah, we just took on a property from another agency and the tenant was paying $395 and the current market is 470 Wow. That's so about, not insignificant. About a 30%, about a 30% oh, 20, 20 to 20, 30%, probably 25%. Yeah, yeah, so I think, you know, that that's um, an interesting change to the market. Obviously important for tenant um, peace of mind. What is interesting, though, is you can um, t- tell the tenant that you're going to go over CPI, but legally you have to declare that you're going over CPI and you have to put in a notice that um, if, they, if the tenant doesn't agree, the owner has to take the tenant to ACAT to justify it. Ooh. Have you have you have you experienced anything like that? Like, or you haven't had anything of that happen yet because it's pretty new. We've had a few for the for the same example I just um, mentioned. Um, and what's interesting, if the property is significantly under market, but the owner is doing all the right things, like conducting maintenance, being responsive to requests, the ACAT will consider that because in the open market, the tenant would have to pay substantially more anyway. So depending yeah. on the scenario, if it's a reasonable justification, not just hiking the price up for the sake of it. Um, it, it will get considered. Yeah, that's super interesting. But yeah, it just makes it very difficult. Those, those, those minds are completely blind, are blown now. But um, given given your, I mean, I, I know I don't want you to necessarily speak in the official position of your. But let's just let's take that hat off and pretend. Would would you sort of? What are your thoughts on other states? Um, sort of. Look, looking at something similar because Queensland did that. You can only increase it once every twelve months, but they didn't. They didn't cap how much you could increase it by. So, yeah. if they were serious, are other states going to start to follow suit eventually? Or um, I can't see in not in the short to medium term that there'll ever be kind of a united national position on residential tenancies. Each state has their own nuances and obviously drivers. Um, I think the the challenge is. The intention from government was try to create a market that was sustainable for tenants because our, our rents were skyrocketing for quite some time with the most expensive place in the country to rent a property and that's created a huge issue around affordability and housing rental stress, which is not good for a community, obviously. The challenge is by capping rents, everything you guys have described around trying to get tenants out, trying to get it back to market as quickly as possible has become a consequence because landlords are like, well, gosh, if I can't up the rent, I just want this tenant out in 12 months. So what was intended to create security of tenure in some instances actually backfired because now the owners, you know, an owner who might go, I'm not going to bump the rent up this year because my tenant's great is now going, give me the maximum every year because I can't fall behind. Mm. So while it's been positive for some relationships has definitely created the opposite of what was intended for others yeah that makes perfect yeah and and then the the people are upset because they keep getting their rent raised where yeah interesting okay cool i think i think it's something that's happening a little bit in in victoria as well to some extent like there's landlords that are that have just said oh i'm going to keep i'm going to keep people at at that rate because um, I want to look after the sort of, I want to, want to look after the tenant and they're, they're good. They're just paying, but then it's just making it more challenging when they're going to sell the property because it, it can potentially impact somebody, whether somebody buys the property or not. Or, or That's whether, true. Hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in hand with that, one of the other changes that came in in April this year 
was um, the we had the longest no cause notice in the country. So to, to give a tenant notice without reason, we had to give six months. So if you're a tenant, you got six months heads up that at the end of your fixed term, you'd need to move on. Um, that's been removed. So again, to help drive security of tenure because of our low vacancy and our high rents, um, the government's view was that that notice was used in a retaliatory way. So it was removed entirely. So now there's not a notice um, that can be provided as a no-cause notice in the ACT. So the ways for a tenant to leave at the end of a tenancy is for the owner to sell, to renovate or to move in, or if the tenant's breaching, so they're obviously not paying rent or failing inspections. They're the main notices now. Right. Um, and how does it work with stamp duty? You, you were saying before that stamp duty is, is um, more expensive in, in the ACT? No, we haven't touched on stamp duty yet. I think you guys had something in um, your intro, didn't you, Jeff? Yeah, well, uh, is stamp, is, was it stamp duty? No, because well, land, tax. I was, land, tax? land tax. It was land tax. Okay, cool. Because I was looking at stamp duty for ACT and it's it's quite, a, it's actually some of the best. Like if you're buying a $500,000 property in the ACT, it's mm-hmm. by the looks of things on this little calculator that I'm clicking on is, Fifteen thousand dollars. If you do that mm. in New South Wales, um, the twenty thousand dollars. If you do it in Queensland, twelve uh, thirteen thousand dollars. If you do it in Victoria, twenty five thousand dollars. South um, Australia is actually one of the worst in Australia, isn't it, Joe? Yeah. Well, and then they don't. Yeah, twenty eight thousand dollars. They don't tell you about this extra five thousand dollar fee that they have in the. Uh, What's the, the five thousand dollar fee? Just. Just, just because, just because <laughs> they like it. But the ACT looks like the most affordable market. So there's they a positive. Because they didn't have the land tax, though, as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so. Over, I think over the last sort of six or so years, roughly, stamp duty has been gradually decreasing. Um, but what the consequence has been is that land tax has been increasing. Mm. And, so and, um, passing it kind I, of you, it down the line a bit. You, you may not you may not know this, um, so I, I know you're not a conveyancer, you're not. Um, but with um, is is there a, is there a choice? Um, uh, uh, because they tried this in New South Wales recently. Can you choose to either? Oh, I suppose you got to pay land tax anyway. Well, as a, as an owner occupier, actually, you, know, you don't need to pay. But can you choose to either do stamp uh, stamp duty or or a once off? Um, not once off, a, a, an annual land tax in in ACT, or is that not an option? You have to do both. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you buy the property, oh. tax stamp duty, and yeah, then yearly you have land tax when, when it's rented. If it's an investment, yeah. yeah. Or if it's there, are concessions, there are exceptions, just like every state. Um, there's some of the, um, uh, there's an affordable sort of housing um, real estate agency in Canberra that if you rent your property 75% below market, you get rebates on land tax. Um, so that's attractive to a lot of investors. You also get a 10% reduction, I think it is, in capital gains for every year that the property is rented under that scheme. So there are some different scenarios depending on what you're trying to achieve, but typically an investor pays both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you look at Victoria now. Victoria is just changing its rules to if the land is worth over $50,000, then you pay land tax on it. So pretty sure that's every single property. So you may as well just say every single property because 50000 yeah. is... Maybe some, some rural ones that probably wouldn't have, but, yeah, not, not many, yeah. most. Yeah. So it's getting it's getting to... You know, it's just we're kind of catching up to what Canberra's doing. It's kind of interesting to see the way that each state is rolling these different things out. They're kind of saying, oh, well, we'll take this one, we'll take this one, we'll use that. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. Picking and choosing their favourite bits. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, how much is the land tax? Like, is it a big, massive, like, hit? Um, or is it, like, or is it, I don't know. What, how do, how should we think calculators about it? Yeah, there's really great calculators from um, the ACT government that you can just plug in the numbers. Um, obviously, dependent on purchase price, but also um, an individual's circumstances. You know, sometimes there's rebates available and things like that for, like, a first-time buyer. But um, typically, yeah, the calculators are just the safest way to look at it. Right. And is there a different, well, obviously land tax is based on the land, so a unit is going to be, and this is where you're talking about units being a little bit more of a potential investment opportunity because I imagine you pay a lot less in the land tax department. Yeah, I mean, absolutely you do. It's offset usually with strata depending on the development you buy in, um, but certainly from a land tax perspective, you have less land with the units, so your land tax um, allotment is significantly less than, than say, a house yeah and um so so we've sort of um we've we've touched on some of the the more the the tougher um or, or drawbacks of investing in the act tell, tell us about tell us about some of the some of the positive we did touch on a big positive of uh, that, that was me pop that calculator in um but there was um one one positive as it had seen a good amount of capital growth in in probably probably house but also i'm sure there's some units there that did quite well mm-hmm. But um, what are some of the other positives you're sort of seeing um, in, in the in the ACT or, or Canberra property market? I think there's heaps of positives. Um, it's as I mentioned earlier, you know, from my experience, it's a really stable place to invest because of those different town centres. Um, depending on your investment strategy, there's any range of stock available. You can buy a brand new apartment, like a one bedroom, you know, for in low four hundred still, and rent that, you know, for high four hundred. So. When you look at cost to enter the market, it's quite affordable as a market still in some areas. Definitely um, houses and land are significantly more expensive, um, but you get the benefit of that capital growth because we've had that continuous growth for so long. Um, and obviously with so much new stock, if you are looking for apartment stock, you get the benefit of depreciation on a brand new build. And that what we're seeing in our market is tenants really love new they'll move out of something that's two or three years old and move into the newest option, even if it's right down the street from them. And they're happy to pay a bit more if they get the amenity that goes with it. So I think you've got, um, you know, security of lots of different industries coming to Canberra. We've got um, traditionally low vacancy rates, 2% still a good vacancy, and you've got really high rents. And that's not going to drop significantly anytime soon because we know there's this huge influx predicted from a population growth perspective. Yeah, and and how is the the market currently standing? You, it's at two percent. You said like, are you seeing some shifts in the like it, it going one way or another? Are you seeing it tightening or loosening or like where where's the the next six to twelve months of of rental stock? I think the next six months is going to be a softer market, particularly for houses, and that's comes back to price point. So anything sort of over that six fifty seven hundred a week mark has really. Um, dropped off from from an, a demand perspective from tenants uh, to yeah. all the things we discussed earlier, yeah. whereas what's still continuing to perform strongly are one, two and three bedroom apartments because they are more affordable um, and you don't have the extra costs of upkeep, say caring for the garden, for example. So people are moving closer for convenience. They're, they're bunking with housemates or family to save money, um, but that higher price point is definitely softened more than more than I've seen in ages. I think we'll see days on market um, continue to climb over the next quarter at least, and that'll mean rents will continue to soften. But as we see that population growth start to increase and the current stock 
new stock um, clear, then we're going to be back probably sub 1% vacancy pretty quickly, I expect. Right. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, how should we think about um, Queen Bean? Like Queen Bean, for people that don't know, is just on the outskirts. It's just on the border of of the uh, the ACT. Here. I don't know how do we show the border. The border is here. This little little line. You got You got to do the um, other oh, the other layer. Click on the yeah. This is the yeah. ACT Canberra ACT border here in New South Wales. But how do you think about Queen Bean here? Because this actually had um, some really good like. I looked at the data about a year ago. I was going deep and um, was going to look to to purchase in Queen Bean because the numbers were looking incredibly, incredibly good. Um, yeah. What do you how, how do you think about Queen Bean as an investment opportunity or as an invest at, at connected to Canberra? Yeah, I mean Queen Bean's a great market. You've got some really affordable stock available. There's a blend of old and new. It's super close to the city, as you can see there. Like it's mm. closer than other suburbs within Canberra. Yeah. Um, and because you fall under New South Wales, you have a completely different set of legislation and you don't pay land tax. So it's a really attractive investment option for a lot of people. And a lot of first home buyers, interestingly, are moving, particularly from um, Tuggers, are moving out to Queen Bin as an affordable option. Yeah. How does it work? What are the um, first home buyer benefits in the ACT? Because that would be a consideration. If I was a first home buyer and I lived in Tuggers, I'd be like, oh, should I buy my first home in the ACT because I get, you know, X, you know, free stamp duty? Or should I, should I do it in New South Wales and get the New South Wales one? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with the, the New South Wales one. Um, yeah. But in the ACT, it's capped. The home plus land has to be under, I think, currently under 750000 so um, a, lo- a lot of first home buyers obviously aren't spending over that. But in saying that, if you're looking for a house, um, our median house price is above that. So you'd be looking um, definitely Tuggeranong and probably West Belconnen for that under that price point for something more affordable. Um, and and obviously, you know, um, I think they made a change recently where partners can buy still like together, whereas previously there was something restricting parts of that. Right. Um, yeah, so it con- it does constantly change. Um but it's, I mean, I'm just trying to think. There was a period a while back where there was really good concessions on stamp duty for first-time buyers, but I think that's finished now or it's reduced. I think it was half seven grand or something for first-time buyers, which was amazing. Um, and then it went back, it went up to 14 grand and it was capped then, but now it's open market, I think, I believe. But it always changes, constantly changing in camera. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and how does it work, like, from an infrastructure standpoint for – I'm probably going too deep into Queen Bean. Um, but, like, is it controlled by the Canberra – like, Canberra doesn't touch it, right? Like, they don't they don't invest in the roads. They don't, it's, that's all New South Wales. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Run completely separately. Yeah. And do you find there's a difference? Like, is is Queen being more run down or more upkept? Like, how do you? Is it like? Well, it was, it was it was known as a rougher area in the past. Apparently, you get your tires slashed in parking lots. And was that the truth though? Is that just people? Is that old 
I've been connection? to Queen Bean and I would believe that. Um, it's... <laughs> there's parts of Queen Bean you'd avoid, just like there's parts of Canberra that also have reputation, you know, and, and it's generational as well. I think, you know, for a period in Canberra, um, there was quite highly, um, like, dense population of government housing right in the city. And mm-hmm. over time they've, they've spread out and redeveloped different areas so that, that's now spread out right across Canberra. But for a while, you know, central city, heart of Canberra was heavy government housing. So, you know, it it varies over time. But I think every suburb has its good areas and it's not so good areas. Um, But everyone needs a home. And if you're looking as an investment, there's lots of opportunity. What's um what's 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 a good way for for somebody who might not be apart from speaking to a, a fantastic property manager like yourself, what what's what's a great way to to understand where there may be a rougher sort of component of a suburb or an area? Is there a is there a telltale sign in Canberra? Um, no, I don't think it's that black and white. To be honest, I think you know, like you're just saying that the history of Tuggeranong or Queanbeyan or certain regions has has its own stories. But I think. Um, you know, it's less about rough areas and more about what you're trying to achieve from, you know, investment. What What's going to return a strong yield? What's the vacancy looking like? Who's built it? Um, they're probably the th- three drivers I'd consider before a rough area because a rough area people still need to live in. Um, and when we're talking yes, about exactly. the Canberra, <laughs> in the Canberra demographic, we've got such a range of income that rough areas could be filled nowadays with, you know, lower income frontline workers because it's not a rough area. It's just more affordable. Yeah. Mm. And and Cam- Canberra has, I think, one of the high, I think the median income or, or mean, I think it's the median, is, is sort of well into the, not well, but at least into the six figures. So it's it's one of the highest um, sort of income sort of places in Australia. Yeah, it is. And, and rents reflect that um, because, I mean, even though what, what's been interesting I think it's a benchmark across Australia, but rent to income ratio, we try to keep that under 30% for tenants because we don't want them going into rental stress. But in the last six months, you know, very good tenants are hitting sort of 40 45%, which is a huge shift because that's nearly half their income going to their rent. But they're great tenants. So it really reflects the changes of the dynamics and the cost of living and how people are having to adjust their lifestyles to meet the rising costs. Mm. yeah well even even from a i mean I, I so there was a report done by anz about it's called the housing affordability report it's well worth checking out but like if you look at canberra housing from 2020 it was 24 percent of your uh income required to service a new mortgage that's now mm-hmm. jumped up to 36.9 percent, which yeah. i guess is just you know capital growth doing its thing the, mm. the area growing and then servicing the loan obviously has become a lot more expensive but mm-hmm. um for rent what what did you say it was for rent um, so for 12 months ago you'd, you'd be hoping for somewhere between 30 and 35 percent so you're not putting you know the tenant into rental stress but yeah. in the last six months or so you're looking sort of 40 to 45 percent is so much more consistent wow wow mm. I mean, then that gets to that gets to the point of like, well, maybe I'm best off buying, right? Like when that number's above what you what you can rent it for, if you have a mortgage for it. Well, I suppose the yeah. problem is you need a deposit. Right? If if you if you're spending forty percent of your income on rent, then yeah. how can you afford to save money? Yeah, vicious cycle. Plus, Canberra is really transient. A lot of people will be here for a few years because of uni or because of a contract, and then they leave. 
And that's why that rental market remains really strong because a lot of people don't want to buy here because they know they know that they're here short term. Right. Okay. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Convincing me slowly. Get me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, should we should we should we play it play our next one sponsor now? Oh, I got I got a few more questions and we'll, and we'll jump into Q and A as well, Joe. Tommy, let's do it. There's nothing worse than going into a situation unprepared, especially when that situation is purchasing one of the most expensive assets of your life against a trained property expert in the form of a real estate agent. It's a scary thought but it is a skill that can be taught. Do you want to learn how to become fully prepared when buying a property so you can get out there, buy your dream home or investment property without the fear of actually messing it up? Scott Agate, the founder and expert property negotiator at Hello House, has been helping people buy their properties by stepping in and negotiating with the agents and saving his clients tens of thousands and in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars. Scott has now decided to share all that he's learned over the past 28 years in real estate so you can go out there and do the exact same thing on how to find a property, analyze that property, negotiate on that property and transact on it to get the best results. He's created the Get Buyer Ready course which is a step-by-step guide on how you too can become an expert property negotiator. It's the easy way of how you can avoid all of these agent games and get the best purchase price on that dream home or your investment property. The course is in short bites for busy people with no fluff at all. Just all the information you need to get buyer ready and secure that next property with confidence at the best price. Scott has been kind enough to give our community a massive discount with the link below. Sign up today before you even think about putting an offer on that next property and it will be one of the best decisions you ever make. We're all okay. We are. Oh, there we go. We are. Got to add everyone in. The people. So, um, we, we we were speaking about some of the opportunities, but what do you what do you sort of see? Um, aside from I suppose the the, the cheaper, um, not cheaper, but the the apartments which are which are yielding and, and still quite affordable. What what's um is is there much of the Airbnb sort of happening in in Canberra? Is that potentially another opportunity for people? Like, what are some of the other um, things you're seeing maybe in Kingston for sure as well is that is there a lot of yeah. Airbnb? Um, increasingly emerging market I don't think in other states we know that obviously Airbnb is really significantly impacting the rental market we're not we're not really seeing that in Canberra yet um, we're not probably the number one holiday destination but um, there's still a need for it um, particularly when we've got people coming for longer periods of time so in Canberra as an average we're looking at about 75 percent occupancy um, and depending on location and time of year, sort of anywhere from 140 a night upwards for short stay. So oh, not bad, pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. 75% yeah. occupancy at 140 a night. 140 a night? Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So 200 nights a year, 28 grand. It's not capped yet in Canberra either. So oh, there's no wow. limitation. But it. I think I think it certainly will because other, otherwise, I mean, maybe we shouldn't be maybe we shouldn't be talking about too much show. We should we should have asked that question off, off offline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you deal with that a lot, like short stay stuff? Increasingly so. So we launched our short stay business last week, actually, to meet yeah. that. I was thinking that's a very you, you know that statistic very well for someone that's not dealing with. Short stay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, we, we, we don't want it to replace um, traditional rental because I think, that, again, that's a really sustainable market and a lot of properties don't suit the short-stay market where, from our perspective, it, it's really important about location and obviously the right um, profile of owner with the risk appetite and also the capital to be able to furnish the property correctly up front. That's not for everyone, especially knowing that it might, you know, if you've got that 75% or something does change from a legislative perspective or you know, there's another pandemic, whatever might happen. It's not it's not everyone's cup of tea, but there's definitely a growing demand of interest in that space. Yeah, and what, what does make a great Airbnb <clears throat> rental as opposed to a less Airbnb place? Location. So location first. You want to be right. super central, super hyper-local. So, um, you know, Kingston Foreshore, as Jeff mentioned, Braddon City Region, walking distance to, you know, cafes and shops and, Restaurants is critical and also easy access to transport if people are there for work or for a specific event. Um, and then obviously the quality of the furnishings. You know, you, I think gone are the days where you can just leave the stuff you don't want to move to your new house in the property and call it a furnished apartment. Um, to really make it work from an investment perspective, you need to furnish it well and then service it well, cleaning, linen, all of those things operationally. So how does someone go about doing that? Like how do you... How much do you typically spend on furnishing a, an Airbnb, like, nicely? Um, a one-bedroom, depending on the size and, um, you know, the level of amenity in the development or nearby, anywhere from sort of eight to $11,000. It's not too bad, actually. I mean, because I'm just, I'm just thinking for the... Yeah, on bedroom, I mean, though. Eight to, I don't think I've... I spent eight. I don't think I've spent eight grand on my place. Oh, but, and, and you and you buying from uh, you, you you pick a lot of stuff up. You, Joseph Joseph's a savvy negotiator, so sure he <laughs> 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 to pick up some stuff at, at a good at a good price. Oh, <laughs> Hi, Joe. Okay, that's super interesting. It's interesting that the the, the Canberra markets like the where's the op- like what's the opportunity? So, what made you do this? What made you do the the Airbnb stuff? That, that investors are looking for that as a solution. They want, you know, they might be based interstate. Canberra might be their home base, but they might be travelling. They want the flexibility to be able to use that property, um, but they don't want to stay while they're not there. Um, that's definitely a driver, especially when you think about the demographic here. You've got parents coming to visit kids at uni. Um, they don't want to have to spend, you know, a fortune on hotels. They can book out their own space for a few nights as they need it. Yeah, such a great idea. And, and and what are the returns looking like? Oh, I mean, depends on obviously initial purchase price and um, how long it held the property for. But, you know, once if you take out furniture as like a capital cost and you just look at running costs, you're looking sort of 8 to 11% depending on the property, the high risk, obviously. Because yeah, you've got, you got, you got vacancy, you've got, reg, you got regulation, regulatory. Because, oh. I mean, a, a lot of places around Australia now are starting to, um, the councils are, are just um, are capping how many Airbnbs and you, you have to have it. You can't have it rented for more than X amount of days per year <laughs> as well, I think, from my understanding, which makes and it individual, individual stratas can ban it as well. You know, my, so you strata, could... my strata will be straight on that. Oh, yeah. if someone leaves a bin out, my strata gets upset. Yeah. So that's just... a challenge, right, because you could, put, you could fork out the money to furnish it and then a month later not be able to do that. So that's definitely a risk. So if you're looking at that avenue, making sure you're good friends with the strata manager and you're really confident that the strata, the EC are, are supportive of it. Yes. Yes. Buy them, buy them a crossword puzzle or something. <laughs> crossword yeah. puzzle. 
I'm not, sure, I'm not sure that would really do it for me. Um, but I think that we haven't really. Um, I'm, I'm interested because this this may um, sort of open up a lot of parts of Canberra. Um, is is the um, the light rail like how how has that sort of been taken up by the by, by the public because that's been operational for probably two to three years now roughly. Um, yeah. As that, but it's it's not it's it's still limited to the north of Canberra, isn't it? You haven't mm-hmm. it hasn't been extended. Yeah, yeah, if you go back to the map, it's Gungarland down to the city. So it definitely supports the north of Canberra. Um, they're currently building Stage 2, which takes you over the bridge to central Canberra. Um, so, And then there's talk of a further extension, obviously, down through to Woden. Um, but from a perspective of Gungarland um, and, and that corridor, what that's meant, well, is not in hand with light rail, not as a result of, but that whole corridor, Northbourne Avenue, as you drive into Canberra, that's been completely redeveloped um, over the last sort of decade. Um, again, that used to be a lot of government housing over the over the past, and now it's, you know, apartments as you drive through down the centre of Canberra. So um, a very different look and feel to what you used to if you've been not been here for a while. Um, but that's super convenient for people. So what we've seen in the last sort of two years is a lot of apartments selling and renting without car parks as a result, and mm-hmm. we've never had that before. Mm-hmm. So you, that's you definitely you definitely used to need, you, or you, you still somewhat need need a car in Canberra. Like you, there's not not a lot of people who catch the bus, and there's not really the train sort of you know, you know it's not really big enough area. Are there trains in in Canberra? You no, go, just oh, the light rail. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The, the buses, the buses, um, there's certainly buses service the whole of Canberra, I'd say, but they, yeah. they can be a bit, can be a bit hard to catch them. I hate getting the yeah. bus. Yeah, light rail's definitely created accessibility for that part of Canberra, and and as I said, we've seen a real emergence of you know one bedrooms with no car parking, which you know three or four years ago was just unheard of in Canberra. Mm. Is that where the opportunity lies? Like buying along the belt where they propose the 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 new you know train uh, rail line. I don't know. I don't know that, Joe, because this. I mean, you you answer it. Sorry, Hannah. No, you go, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. You got. I was going to say because it, it's once once it's already sort of um, pr- proposed. You, you, it's like the Western Sydney Airport, Joe. Like people people are buying there when it was speculate. Um, so once yeah. it's once it's announced and all that, I think the opportunity is probably likely gone. But um, yeah. And yeah. if you also look at that part of Canberra, that's close to the city, so it is an opportunity for sure. But you know, price point is more expensive. There. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas if you go out to Belconnen or Tabernong for, for a comparable sized apartment, you're probably going to pay substantially less. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's already, they're, they're feeding the need of the people that are already there rather than creating demand. Yeah. And what, what are your, um, I'm, I'm interested because it doesn't seem like, uh, I mean, it doesn't seem as much of an opportunity in Canberra. But what are, what are your thoughts on on renovating properties in Canberra? Is there is that is there a bit of a, an opportunity there, or that's not not as not as big a, a thing in the, in the nation's capital? Like flipping property, do you mean? Well, well, even like for for example, if if you if there's a, I mean, I suppose is there the is there enough money to be made in a reno, even as a buy and hold? I suppose like flipping is. It's purely based on the purchase price versus that. But can you sort of go and pick up a – is like I suppose in, in some pockets of, of Sydney you'd be able to pick up a renovator a bit cheaper just because people don't want to renovate. They want to move into somewhere. Yeah. So is, that, is that potentially something that 
Yeah, yeah. Look, there's obviously those kind of properties come to market quite regularly across Canberra. Um, but in terms of would you would you call them affordable? Um, absolutely not. Do you still need to probably pump in 30, 50, 100 grand at least? Probably. So you might be buying a renovator's delight for six or seven hundred. So is is it worth it? I mean, you could probably buy two apartments potentially and not have to chuck in a hundred grand capital potentially. Okay. So it's not I, I, I was I was seeing if I could unearth some some uh, some opportunities for the for the community, but I think it's it's the same as any market. I, I thought there may have been a, a reluctance for people to do renos, and in that case, you could pick up a property a bit cheaper. And if you could pick it up a bit cheaper and and do a reno, and then you could sort of build some build some equity quickly if, if that was yeah his goal. Where are, absolutely. Where are the opportunities if if um if you're looking for an investment property in Canberra, and I want to get the best yield and the best capital growth. <laughs> like I want, I want, I want it all. But where, what am I thinking about? Like, what's the type of perfect asset? Because I hear, I, you know, we have people that come to us all the time, and they're like, "Hey, I want to buy. You know, yeah, I've got five hundred thousand dollar budget. I want to buy in Sydney." Well, is that the best utilization of the asset that you have on hand? Maybe not. Maybe you might be better off in a different area to get the best return for that money. Um, so what are the type of things that you're seeing in Canberra for the best bang for your buck? Well, if you're aiming for yield, um, then you have to look at an apartment in Canberra right, right now. No choice. Um, the, the yield's performing so much better than houses because of all the reasons we've already talked about. Um, your land tax is significantly less. Um, your rent's uh, solid. And we're not we're not seeing that market where, you know, that price point is um, – unattractive to people so vacancy is quite tight still for apartments um if you're looking for capital growth you need to buy a house um you'll see more consistent capital growth over time for a house um but obviously you pay substantially more for land tax and there's, and there's so, a higher, higher buying point as well typically absolutely yeah yeah so if you want if you want to start in camp certainly not a financial advisor but the easiest way was probably the journey i went on foot in the door, one bedroom, you know, low risk, easy to rent, holding costs manageable. Mm. Yeah, yeah, super easy peasy. Jump mm. on in, get access, and then do it on Airbnb. And rent it through the Property Collective's new service. What? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So... Actually, another question is: Where's the opportunity in um, in Airbnb space? So all of a sudden, you've piqued my Airbnb interest because yeah. I think it's like 130 days or 128 days. I have an Airbnb in Sydney. I've got these silly little rules. Those rules don't exist. Yeah, I'm willing to take the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I buying for an Airbnb? One or two bedroom. Yeah, probably. And I would say that's from a like a fit out perspective, and obviously entering the market. Um, you know, three bedrooms attract more of a different audience in terms of the guests that stay. A one and two bedroom, you're more likely to attract, um, you know, couples or a business professional. So lower risk from that perspective. Um, and you'd be looking for Braddon City in a north region around those hubs, or you'd be looking Kingston foreshore. Yeah. Okay. Jeff knows. Jeff, have you have you been looking at Kingston foreshore for a Airbnb? Have you? 
No, no, cool. I just um, we, we, that's that's um, that's our one of our preferred places to stay if we're if we're not staying with other because it's it uh-huh. is it is like, yeah it's there's a nice little um, a, you can you can book some good apartments in there at, at relatively affordable sort of rates I suppose. Yeah, it's okay. a really good. Spot. You can go and go and have go and have some Messina. You can have your broad burger. Everything's there's heaps of restaurants as well. It's just our uh, office is there, so you can walk and visit us. I feel like I've actually walked past your office a couple of times because I, I, I was I was looking at oh, yeah because I, I do look out for the, look at these things and they when it, it, it piques my interest. Are you are you on the right hand side? I think as you uh, just before you had to broad on the no, mate, we don't, we don't <laughs> we'll figure that out later. Yeah, are you looking at Kingston? Are you Joe? I'm seeing yeah, that. Kingston. Kingston looks like a bit of fun. That's, yeah. that's where I'll go next. Well, and the, the, the other thing is, it, oh, sorry, yeah. I was going to say, Braddon's pretty cool as well. Heaps of bars, restaurants, walk to the city. And I think, I think, is, is Fish Week um, overcome its its grungier days now, or is it still, or is it still mostly industrial as well? Very industrial. Not really any. Not no resi. Same as Mitchell. No resi. The Fish Week markets, though, I would highly recommend those. A hundred percent. But yeah, the, where, do they get the, all, where do they get the fish from? No, fish, it's just called Fish Week. It's not. So it's oh, the suburb. So you go into the fish wish markets, and there's no fish. There, there is seafood markets there as well. Okay. <laughs> you get yeah, you get some. But um, no, there's there's heaps of heaps of fun food and and all that sort of stuff. And Floriad as well. There's just so much so much vibrancy happening in Canberra. So I hope we've s- sort of unearthed some some Canberra gems. Um, what, and, and there's also the marathon you have in camp, the Canberra marathon, which I, I nearly did, but then decided I was going to pike and do a half marathon instead. So, yeah. good, good on you. Something's better than nothing. Yeah, Still haven't done it. No. <clears throat> but, um, so I, I reckon we, we've, let's throw to Q&A, people. So if, if there's questions about Canberra or even if there's sort of suburbs or, or aspects that you want to ask Hannah, you have somebody who has – at least 13 years experience in property management or property in, in Canberra. So you have some, there's not many people who would have that uh, level of experience. I think it was somebody who's as young as yourself. So, um, well, Joe, I'm sure you probably have a question or two. Are you going to ask about any, any more about Airbnb, Joe? You, you, you love. Well, you love no, it. what, what, what have we, yeah, I feel like we've covered quite a broad, a lot of topics, Hannah. What haven't we covered off about the Canberra market that you'd want to kind of chat to? I, I feel like we've covered a lot. I think, you know, I guess to, to recap, lots of good micro markets, any of the town centres perform well. They all have different price points and entry points, but depending on what you're trying to achieve from an investment strategy, you could look at any and do well. You shouldn't write a certain region off in Canberra because they all have benefits depending on what your strategy is. Yeah, and that's really cool to, to see as well because you, you you have your budget and then you're like, okay, well, let's just inject this into into this this area because you do see markets that are particularly okay this is just a 500 to 550 market and that's pretty much it um but it sounds like you can come in with a, a range of a budget and still still grab something that's pretty good um my big concerns are the land tax side of things so this is where you know as I, as i kind of point to and honey you've mentioned i kind of remove units and townhouses and things off my list but that's because the numbers didn't don't work in certain markets. But if you're in this market, that might be like the numbers may stack up to be the best investment for you. So then, hell yeah, go for it. 
make it happen. Yeah. If, if, you, if you're looking for, for the best return and you're getting hit with this, these challenges from a land tax point, okay, well, what else, have, what else can we do? And if the yeah. capital growth for these units and townhouses is good, then go for it. Mm, absolutely. And I think if you compare other markets, you know, a one-bedroom in Sydney versus one-bedroom in Canberra, brand new, you know, the, the, the entry point is significantly higher in Sydney. Yes, you don't pay land tax, but how many people can afford that as an entry point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's a different market. I, I wanted there's there's a comment and there was a question about public housing, but I wanted to um, unpack this. Canberra is good to live in, not for investing. I, I would I would almost say if if somebody yeah I, I, I suppose it depends on somebody's sort of budget um, because mm-hmm. for me if if I if I were to have between and this is none of this is advice but you got you got to you got to factor in I mean if if you have somewhere between seven hundred to a million yes there are other other places in Australia. Which are, which are probably more popular at the moment, your, 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 your Adelaide's, your, your Perth's. Um, and, and I think you'd struggle for 700 to a mil in Sydney if I'm, I'm, I'm looking at houses. And, and yes, there's potentially Brisbane as well. But I think at the moment, there's, there's not a lot of focus necessarily on Canberra, whereas Canberra a couple of years ago was, was starting to get a bit, of a, a bit of excitement around it. So I think if, if yeah, sort of find the pockets that people like to live in and then sort of there's, there's maybe a bit of a bit of a breadcrumb there. but um, and-, and look, I think that's a fair comment. Like I think when you look at all the challenges we've had in the last, you know, two years in Canberra with legislation changes and the threat of more changes, I understand why investors can feel spooked at times. But if you look at the historic growth, like just rely on the data. If you look at the data over the last 40 years, we know Canberra continues to perform steadily, whereas other markets can be a lot more volatile. Um, you know, and I think if you want a, a steady investment, Canberra's data has shown that that's what we can deliver. Mm. And that's, um, Joey, are you looking at, I, I don't know if you know the answers necessarily 100% to this, but I, I probably, how, how does one uncover the public? Is that sort of microverbs you go into, Joe? Yeah. So where are the public housing in Canberra? Because this is one of the things that I think is quite interesting about Canberra is, so I've pulled up, um, Public housing. So this is public housing for South Australia. So we'll make this make this big. You can Probably see it just South Australia, just to give you a bit of a general understanding of, of how you should expect it, you know, one market over another. There's a lot of yellows, there's a big mix of reds, there's a lot of blues. This is all this is all grass. And then you, you look at the Canberra market and it looks a little bit, let me just go to public housing. There's not a whole bunch of red. Like hmm. there are very few pockets to to the red side of things. So, from an affluence perspective, like it's not that it's not that rough there. Like, no, not at all. It, as I said, it used to be really heavily populated in near the city, and over the last sort of five ten years, that's been very much spread out around Canberra. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think research does show that with public housing spread among community, issues get better. Um, you know, when you've got that high density, that's where it becomes a real problem. So that, that relocation, that spread of that public housing is probably been a really great thing for the community, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, like look at the affluence. So this is a thing called affluence score in, in Adelaide. You can start to see it really does, really does focus in, which is mm. exactly what you're talking about, exactly what you're talking about. And then in, in Adelaide, they said, you know what, sorry, in Canberra, they're like, you know what, we're, we're not going to have any 
poor affluence actually they haven't pushed they haven't pushed the people anywhere um they're just all you know wealthy so that's good (laughs) (laughs) there's literally no red from an affluent score i've never seen that in any other um (laughs) which is which is which which is where i suppose one of the one of the things i sort of mentioned and and is that there there is that sort of higher income which which can can lead potentially to um, all, all other things being equal, um, potentially more stable um, capital growth, and you can past performance doesn't doesn't um, reflect future performance, of course. So, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what happens? Maybe they could significantly drop um, sort of the public sector, in, in which case other things may. But yeah, I think that's very unlikely. As about as unlikely as um, as them to not renew the the um, the, the whole leasehold. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sure they will. I'm sure they will. What are they going to do with the land otherwise? There's a heap of other land. Just Correct. Do whatever you're going to do in that land over there. It seems yeah. like a silly thing that any like that makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. Why why be upset about that? The government's not going to take your land away. And I'm pretty sure they can still take our land away anyway. Like I'm True. pretty sure. Didn't they do that in Sydney recently? Like Did, just yeah, take a they need to build an airport. They there's there's a place they created like a highway through it and everyone lost their front yards um i mean obviously there's going to be something in the in the you know so yeah it's going to be in the contract somewhere that you've got this easement and things but anyway i don't think they're going to take it i think you'll be all right you you'll be all right Cameron. i'm not losing sleep over it yeah (laughs) well thank you very much hannah how do how do people learn more because you're very knowledgeable on the camper market but you know this has been a a great foundational understanding, but I want to know. I want to know a little bit more. How can we get our our knowledge on? Gosh, I mean, at the risk of sounding biased, talk to us. Um, <laughs> if you want to talk to us? Talk to another agent in Canberra. Um, there's some really great buyers agents in Canberra. If if that's a thing as well, I think. No, no, you know, we're pushing you. We're pushing you here, Hannah. <laughs> How can people get? <laughs> Not pushing yeah, other people. About. We're saying the property collective is the way to go. How do people well, learn more about you? No, I agree. I mean, jump on our website, have a look at what we do. We, we, we started the Property Collective with a vision to kind of re, reimagine real estate. And so our business is actually built off another quote, which I could have used as my quote of the day, which is an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. And so mm. every communication with our clients, with our tenants, with our landlords is about how can we win together. So big mm. focus on education, big focus on opportunity and, you know, creating wealth for, for our clients. I think I think maybe I think maybe I'll just hit on a new <clears throat> that we should have I should have asked a question too about that about how you actually do that because but I, I feel like now Joe's start we start to wrap it well yeah well, now, now that I've mentioned Jeff, I mentioned it mate it's, it's yeah, half okay, out right. there yeah I know but yeah because I I, read, I was reading about it, it was like it was staring me in the face but so how do you actually create that sort of more symbiotic relationship because I think that's going to become more important for for investors and landlords moving forward because um, with these sort of stricter or potentially stricter legislation like how what are some of the things you're able to do with your tenants um and conversation with your landlords that you do to do that gosh i feel like it's a whole nother session in a nutshell though um we're really passionate about education number one because i think you know everyone talks about property but if you start talking to an investor about what's their yield what's their equity how's their property performing what's their cash flow most people can't answer that and that's not you know that's not disrespectful or anything to them it's just that they don't understand their strategy. They've bought a property because someone told them it's a good thing to do. They don't know how to create wealth off that property or how to get into the next one. 
And I think that's why we see so many investors stop at one or two properties because they get stuck. So, you know, our, our property managers are trained not to be just reactive and fix the block toilet or chase the tenant for rent, but they're trained to be able to talk to a client and say, how can we help you achieve your housing, your, your property portfolio strategy? And if you don't know what that strategy is, let's connect you with the right people to educate you and understand what the strategy is so we can help you deliver it. And I think that's a real shift for the industry because typically that doesn't happen. Yeah, you're, you're right, actually. Yeah. And, and I think the, the property managers we, we get on for a live session around the country are, are, are more in, generally investment savvy because they, they, they sort of understand that it is can be a challenge to, but and they sort of understand they may not necessarily know the answers, but they've got people around them who, who can provide those answers. Absolutely. And obviously, as you know, we can't give advice, but we can absolutely connect a client with a broker you know, or a financial planner or an accountant to help them understand that. Um, and if we're that source of truth for them, if they're, if we're their trusted person from a property perspective, we can really be part of that journey and, and really help change people's lives, which I think is really exciting and very cool. Yeah. Love Great. It. Well, thank you very much for, for coming on the show. This has, been, this has been awesome. This has been exactly what anyone that wants to understand more about Canberra, this is the exact session that they need to be having because – at the end of the day, the, the things that we would, like the negative sides, they're not all that negative. And then some of them are push you into a different type of opportunity. So thank you very much for um, highlighting that. Anything else you, you wanted to mention? No, I guess thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I think following the page and seeing the engagement, you guys do awesome stuff. And, yeah, pretty cool to be part of it. So thank you. We do have that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, thanks, Jeff. Thanks, thanks very much for, yeah, just, just being, I, I suppose, I, I think the, the thing, the thing about yourself is you're not sort of sugarcoating anything. You are, you are actually sort of telling a lot of things. And I think that that's, um, it's refreshing in an industry that doesn't always do that. They, they'll paint the rose, they'll put the rose colored glasses on because that's, that's their own patch or, or whatever it is. But yeah, it's been a fantastic and fun session. It's got a bit of a soft spot for Canberra, so. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope I didn't drive too deep on the detail, but I think you know, when it comes to legislation, the devil is in the detail and these are important things to understand. So, 100%. Definitely. Great. Thank you very much, cool. Hannah. Let's yeah. do it, guys. Let's go buy a property. See you guys later. Have a Hear more interviews and share your story with some of Australia's top property experts and commentators now by joining the Oz Property Investors Facebook group with over 25,000 property investors so we can all become better property investors together. Just a quick reminder that anything we covered on this podcast is not considered as financial advice. This is general information only. You need to go and speak with your qualified professionals to understand your unique circumstances as this is general advice only. If you got any value out of this podcast, feel free to recommend us to your friends and leave us a review. Thank you very much for listening and have a fantastic day. Let's go buy property.